Oh, that's great. Thanks, mate. You ready, Tim? It's good to, um, to be here. I just want to um, encourage you as a church to just keep pursuing God's heart. You know, go deep into that place. And uh, just like the, the worship tonight, it's just a sense of um, desiring God and more of Him. It's a really powerful place to be, I think, in your Christian walk, you know, to do that. So um, I just want to encourage you to keep doing that. I feel like uh, tonight, and I chatted to Tim about this, he, about a week, and a, a week or so ago, I was having a coffee with Tim and, and he asked me, he texted me, I think, the day before or two days before about speaking. And then within two days, he wanted to know what I was going to speak on. Now, I don't know, that's, that's, that's pretty solid, Tim. But, um, you know, I, I sat there and I thought, well, I'm never, never without sort of making something up. So I made up this, <laughs> this story. No, I didn't. It was a really funny thing because as I was driving, I live at the Sunshine Coast, I was driving down to meet with Tim and I just felt like God was speaking to me about what I should speak on. Does that make sense? There's a lot of speaking words in there. And uh, so when Tim asked me, I sort of had an answer, which I was, pretty, pretty, I was pretty chuffed about because normally I'd be going, oh, mate, I'll have to tell you later. And, uh, and I started to talk to him about some of the things, but Really what I felt was important was to actually talk to you about myself a little bit because I've always found it difficult to come to a group of people and then just start to bring a, you know, a Bible teaching message because I don't really know you, you know. For me, relationship's really important. If I know you, then I feel like I can connect with you and therefore we can actually walk together in life, you know. So um, I, thought, I thought maybe it'd be best to share a bit of my story, a bit of testimony, and then just reflect on a couple of uh, passages um, or a couple of stories in the book of Acts that maybe tie in with a little bit of where I've been at in my life. So um, I grew up at Redcliffe. Come on. <laughs> so I'm a Redcliffe boy. Anyone else? Yeah, good. Yeah, Redcliffe, Redcliffe people are pretty good, I reckon. And, uh, and we had a pretty, pretty wild and crazy upbringing and all sorts of stuff happened, and including a, a broken... My mum and dad broke up and uh, it, was, it was a pretty dysfunctional home when they were together. When they, when they separated, something lifted, but it was still really quite challenging for us. There was five of us. And uh, one of the things that, that my mum had in her was this great discipline. And she was a woman of faith and she uh, really treated us like she was a matron of a hospital. And the reason she did that was because she was a matron of a hospital, <laughs> okay? So um, you can imagine what that was like. Um, she used to be, be a leader in the nursing world and she'd come over from England with my dad who was an Aussie who travelled to England, met her and they got hitched over there and they came over here. And uh, I better not go back too many generations that way, I'll be here a long time. So this is our life, we're growing up and one of the things about my mum was that she um, had this great faith in God and she got us into this local church 
at, at Redcliffe, um, Clontarf Baptist Church. I don't know if any of you know that church. Yeah, you might know some people from there. So I grew up in Clontarf Baptist Church when it was a little fibro hall um, as a child, and they had these seats, right, that were made of tin. All right? Think about having a tin seat, okay? So in the middle of winter, in a fibro hall that's been shut up all night and you go into church and you've got to sit on a tin seat that's freezing. I was so cold that um, the women in the church, um, this is I'm not being rude, this is what happened, the women in the church, so we're to do something about it. So they made up all these rectangular cushions to put on all the seats, which was fantastic for a kid. Think about it. Little rectangular cushions about that thick. What would you do with that if you were a kid? <laughs> so we used to throw these cushions around. You know, we'd have cushion fights. It was just, it was awesome. We had a great time in that church. But the thing with mum was she was really, really onto us as kids. And, and she had things like rules for the morning, you know. So in the morning we had the three Bs, okay. So make your bed, first B. Read your Bible, second B. Have breakfast, the third B. See, I still remember them all these years later. And every morning, it was like mum was on to us, the three Bs. And we had to do these three things. And, and what happened in my life was that I grew up reading the Bible. Oh, really interesting, isn't it? Through mum's rules, I grew up reading scripture. I had to. Otherwise, well, I won't tell you what happened in that era when you didn't do what your mum said and she was a matron of the hospital. <laughs> many different ways to get you to do what you're meant to do. So I grew up in that frame and mum kept us really tied in and the church had all these families and we grew up together in this, this great church. And uh, one of the challenges that I had was I, I'm a pretty adventurous person. So I like being outside and I like pushing the limits a bit and I like doing stuff. So when I, when I became a teenager, I was always in the ocean. I had a lot of spear fishing. As soon as I got my licence, I was out of Redcliffe. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And I was up at the sunny coast surfing and, uh, and just really pushing the limits of the things that I could do. And, and that was the sort of person I was. I just wanted to be into life full noise and enjoying it and getting into it. One of the challenges I found at about the age of 17, 16, 17, till I was around 21 years of age, was I found, and this is my perception, I reckon I might have been wrong. Okay, so bear with me. This is what I was perceiving at the time. I was perceiving that all these people in church are so boring. I was looking at it, and look, I didn't have a dad, so... I was looking at the men in the church. Now, they are good men. I know them well, and I hope they're not listening to this. If they don't know, I've come here and they look at the podcast or whatever. Sorry, guys. Anyway, but in my perception was that they, just, they just didn't have this, this stuff. But the flip side is I was an apprentice carpenter. So I was working with all these blokes who weren't Christian fellas, and they were just into it. They were like, Full noise adventurous, crazy men, you know, doing all sorts of stuff that mum warned me about my whole life not to do. 
So I had this really crazy adventurous work life, which was five days a week, sometimes six. And I had my church space where I was looking at, I was wanting, you know, I was in it. I was in it, but I was struggling with what it was or what my perception of what it was. And I was looking and going, this is way better. This suits me better. And this, this is where I want to be. And the, I, I don't get this. It just wasn't grabbing me. And uh, it's a really challenging time for me in that, that era. And I, you know, of course, that meant that I just had this crazy journey through those four years. I came to a moment where, and I'm going to talk a little bit right at the end before we take communion, I'll tell you what happened. But I came to a moment where I actually encountered God in a very powerful, powerful way that transformed my thinking around Christianity and about what it was to be a Christian. So my message tonight is called The Adventurous Christian Life, right? The Adventurous Christian Life. Now my opinion is, and you can take it or leave it because it is my opinion, is that the Christian life should have lots of adventure in it. There should be stuff going on that you think to yourself, what? I can't believe that just happened. Now, if I just had have missed that by 30 seconds, then this wouldn't happen and that wouldn't have happened and then this person wouldn't have received that. Wow, that's awesome. That's, that's an adventurous Christian life. See, I, I, I reckon that if God comes and dwells in us by the Holy Spirit, as the Bible says, and that the Bible says that we can be led by the Spirit in our daily life. And that the Spirit of God wants to reach and touch and change and transform people around us and our world around us. Then we, walking in that space, are going to have an adventurous Christian life. Does that make sense? Like far out. Now think about this. This is the Spirit says in in uh, Romans chapter 8, somewhere, Tim, Tim will know the reference, that it's the same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Whoa. Hey, hang on a tick. Does that mean, what does that mean for us as Christians? Like, what does that mean? That is that's powerful, isn't it, you know? That means that when we walk with God and we tune ourselves into the Spirit of God that lives in us, it's going to be an adventurous Christian life that we walk in. When I was about 26 years old, I won't tell you how long ago that was, I had uh, my first kid, right? His name's Jake. Um, I won't tell you how old he is now either. Gordy maybe could do some maths because I, I knew Gordon many years ago when I was about 21 or two years old. So um, I was about 26, had my first child. I decided to step out of my trade 
and step into Bible college because I felt like God said, I want, I want you in the business of people, Nick, not things. I heard that really clearly somehow. You know how sometimes you just feel like God speaks to you and I felt that that's what God was saying. So I stepped out and went to Bible college, which was a bit of a challenge for me because I um, was never really a student at school. And uh, I, was, I had this habit. We went and lived on site, as you did back in the old days. And uh, I had this habit in the afternoons with my young son who was in a, at a pram that I'd get, take him for a walk pretty much every afternoon. And uh, I had this thing though, you know, I came out of working class, Redcliffe, trades, all that sort of thing. So I had this thing with the word pram when I was that age. I thought, men don't push prams. Well, I'm not saying I'm going to go push the pram. <laughs> I had this thing with the word pram. So I used to call it a trolley. Okay, you can make up your own language, you know, it's all right. So I'll use the word trolley because, you know, I've got to get into type. I would probably call it a pram now, but back then there's no way I'm going to say I'm going to walk my son in the pram. <laughs> so I'm walking along with my son in the, in the trolley and uh, just going on my usual walk and I felt this impression from, from God. Now, I didn't know it was God. I just felt this impression that I should go up this street that I'd never been up before, right? So... I'm up for an adventure, I just told you that. You know, so I, yeah, I'm going up this street. So I walked up this street. I wasn't talking to myself. And I walked up the street and I got about 100, 100 200 metres up this street. And I just look over. I've never been in this street before. I just look over, I see this house set off, off the road. A, a low set house about the floor about this height. Had a brick wall in the front, a little patio within the house. And I could see this old fella sitting with his back to the wall in the garden. There's a garden in front of it. I walk past after seeing that. And something in me went, Nick, you know, there's more to this than what you just did. And I keep walking with my trolley, walking young Jake up the road. And, and I keep getting this uncomfortable feeling that I was actually walking away from something. But I was pretty reluctant to change my course because I was just out for a walk with my son. In the end, I thought, oh, I've got to turn around. I've got to go and see if that bloke's still there. Is this this internal context going on in me? I walk back and now he's on this side, up this way. <laughs> and, uh, and as I get to his house, I have to get right up in front of the house to see. And I look up and there's this old fella sitting in the garden with his back against his brick wall. Well, by this time I'm thinking, oh, I think God's telling me to do something here. It was really awkward, you know, because it was, it was sort of like this time of day. And I needed to get home. I had a little baby, so there's plenty of reason to not walk up the driveway, you know. But I knew deep down that I needed to respond to this man sitting in the garden. So I jumped the gutter with the trolley and, uh, <laughs> sorry, I think it's funny. <laughs> um, and I walk up the driveway and there's this bloke sitting in his garden with his back against the wall, eyes closed. And I, now I'm starting to think, oh no, there's only two things here. 
Like seriously, I'm thinking there's only two things here. He's either asleep or he may have passed away, this man. Now I grew up with brothers, right? So we used to go surfing a lot in the morning, early in the morning. So I learnt pretty early how to wake up a man in the morning. So I did what I would do to my brothers because sometimes they used to come up swinging when they wake up in the morning. So I learnt how to wake someone up, so I kicked him. (laughs) It's true. It's true, I kicked him. Now, come on, I'm not that mean, all right? I kicked him on the bottom of the foot with my toe, all right? (laughs) Which is how you wake someone up if they're asleep, if you want to know and you don't want to get clobbered. So I kicked him on the bottom of the foot and thinking, oh, gee, my son must be learning so much from me. (laughs) And he woke up. Praise God, he woke up. He woke up and he's like, oh. And I said, mate, mate, are you all right? And he goes, oh, I was trying to get some weeds out of my garden and I'm so glad you're here. I fell over hours ago. In fact, it was so long ago, I couldn't get up. I couldn't get up on my feet. It was so long ago that I just pulled myself over here and sat here and I've fallen asleep. And I'm like, out. Here I am thinking, I don't want to even go up his driveway. And he's been stuck there, sitting in his garden for hours. And it's getting like this, dark outside. Interesting, eh? So I said, mate, come on, I'll help you get up. I picked him up and took him inside. Then I didn't forget my son. I went and got my son and brought him inside, which is Potential when you're a new dad to just forget that you have a child sometimes, you know? Anyone who's, anyone been there? Yes, thank you for your honesty. Oh, we're getting real tonight. (laughs) Gordy. (laughs) So yes, that does happen sometimes, but it's not deliberate. And so we're in the house and... (laughs) So we're in the house and I realise that God is, is not finished with this story so I'm thinking what is what do you do with an old bloke is like I have no idea I'm 26 I don't know I'm reluctant anyway at the best of time now I'm in his house I've sat him down at his kitchen table thinking what what do I do now and then I thought oh do you want a cup of tea mate because I thought old people like cups of tea you know (laughs) so oh that'd be very nice so so I'm now going through this old man's cupboards making him a cup of tea and made him a cup of tea and then I realized now there's more there is just this there's a bit more to this. And I'm just sort of knowing that God's got me in this space. And I, I said, hey, mate, um, do you ever talk to the big fella upstairs? And he looked at me and goes, yeah, actually, sometimes I do talk to him. And I said, well, you know what? I reckon God, the big fella, has got me into your street, up your driveway, picking you up, into your house, making you a cup of tea so you didn't have to stay out there all night, mate. And he just looked at me with this sense of, of gratitude and, and, uh, and I just felt the love of God embracing us in the room, you know. You see... I think the Christian life is an adventurous Christian life. 
Now, I'm just me, and I just only just responded to the promptings of the Spirit of God in my life in those moments. But as I hesitantly and somewhat reluctantly moved in that space, God did something there. I'm going home. By now it's dark. I've got to, I've got to go, mate. I've got to go. I've got me little bloke. My wife's probably wondering, hey, all right, it's before mobile phones. So my wife is probably wondering where I am and I'm running down the road trying to get home. This is on dark. And I come home. Jude, you wouldn't believe what happened. I'm telling her this crazy story that I'm now telling to you today. But see, this is what I discovered is that we... We have this opportunity to enter into this adventurous Christian life. What is it that gets us into that space? I looked at the, uh, I've been reading the book of Acts in the last month or so, just going through when I get a chance to read it. And sometimes I read a bit, a little bit. Sometimes I read a couple of chapters. Sometimes I read a, a portion because I'm not really disciplined. But I make it a habit to read, you know. Because my mum said, <laughs> you know, the three Bs. And uh, I was looking at this life they had. And let me just talk you through this first little bit of the book of Acts, please. It's just phenomenal when you think about it. Now, I had notes tonight, but I've just decided that because my computer just turned itself off, and I haven't got my glasses, I won't be able to put my password in there. So therefore, no notes. So you're lucky. Now, you better tell me when to finish. What time do you usually stop? Oh, gee. Can we go late? No. <laughs> That's cool, Tim. I just want to talk about this. You know, Jesus is, um, he's been crucified. He's risen from the dead. He's appearing to his disciples, right? For 40 days, every now and then he just pops up. Breakfast, in a prayer meeting, he's here, he's there. He's talking about the kingdom of God. If you look in the first chapter of Acts, you'll see this story unfolding. He's with his disciples and he gets to this point where he's actually going to disappear. They don't know this. They do not know that he's going to disappear, right? So they're all together. And Jesus says these words, you know, you better stick around Jerusalem, you blokes, because you know how John baptised with water? Well, I'm going to baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Pretty full on. They say, hey, is this about restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he goes, hang on, it's not about this, fellas. When the Spirit comes on you, you'll be my witnesses. Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, right to the ends of the world. And then all of a sudden, this weird thing happens. Talk about an adventurous Christian life. Jesus starts to disappear. Now think about it. You're standing there, he's talking to you, and suddenly he starts floating up into the sky. Has anyone encountered this before? Right, okay. Well, you'd be checking your mates, wouldn't you? Is this normal? Up he goes. I love this, I love this story, happy goes. It's just phenomenal. I, I don't know what you're meant to be thinking. I don't know how many times you've read it, but I read it and think, what, what? You would think you were going insane. But anyway, 
he disappears into the clouds. And then these two dudes turn up, right? They're wearing white. The presumption is that they're, they're angels from God. And they say, why are you looking up there? And I'm thinking, why the heck wouldn't we be looking up there? Wait, seriously, why are you looking up there? Have you read this? Did you laugh when you read it? <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny, but it's crazy stuff, isn't it, when you think about it? But this is the adventurous Christian life. This is what goes on in the kingdom of God, that things happen and you go, what? What is that? That's God. This is God doing stuff. Chapter 2 comes along and they're, they're in, their, in this room. It says they're sitting. Check me out. And they're praying. What did Jesus say? Don't leave Jerusalem, you guys. Stick around. Stick around here. They're sticking around. They're doing what Jesus said. They're in the room. Suddenly this room, just imagine this. You're sitting, right? Like you are now. And just the room is filled with this full rushing wind noise. Like seriously, this is what it says. The wind is rushing as if, it says, as if it was from heaven. And then all of a sudden, fire. Now, I don't know what you do when there's a fire. All right? No, no I'm serious. I, am, I think about this as if I'm there, right? What, what would you do if there was suddenly fire all through the atmosphere? It's pretty full on, isn't it? And then all of a sudden, this is the God, oh, this is the bit I love about this story. And then portions of that fire come down on individuals. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it gets even more full on and it goes on and on right through the book of Acts. And you know what? It's way too long a story to tell you all of it. But the point is that after that event, within probably, if I read the text and try and pretend I was saying it like Peter did when he spoke out to the people that gathered around, 3,000 people are going, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus. And in, in that moment, 3,000 people are suddenly following these blokes who are looking up going, where the heck did he go? What was that fire thing? What's this wind inside? Like, this is the adventurous Christian life. That's the birthing of the church. That's the birthing of this, what we're doing here now. Isn't that an amazing story? This is why I think the Christian life is an adventurous Christian life. So can I encourage you in winding up a little bit before we have communion to think about it in this way. These disciples... Listen to Jesus and listen to what Jesus said. And they stuck around and they stuck together and the Spirit of God filled them. And then they just stepped into the thing that came next for them and then the thing that came next. I love chapter 3. I only got to chapter 2. Chapter 3, two dudes walking up to go to pray, right? I see this bloke who's been there his whole life, can't walk. I said I wouldn't tell another story. Anyway, they see this bloke and he goes, give us some money, like he does every time. At the gate, beautiful, says in the Bible. 
Peter and John go, well, we ain't got any money, mate, but, we've, but we'll give you what we got. Get up and walk, grab the guy's hand. They said as, as they grabbed his hand and lifted him up, his legs, ankles were strengthened and he jumps up and he went walking and leaping and praising God. Anyone remember that little song? And, and, and it caused such a ruckus. It's called, it caused such a ruckus in the temple of God that these two dudes get arrested. So they've gone from watching Jesus ascend, angels, fire, wind, speaking in other languages, 3,000 people, walking up to pray, lifting a man up, seeing him miraculously healed, to sitting in jail. They get out of jail, <laughs> right? I'm cutting it short. They get out of jail. Guess what they do when they get out of jail? They go back to their mates, their disciples, and they're sitting in a room and they're praying. And they're praying for courage. They're praying for strength. And guess what happens? Chapter 4, this is about 30, 31, Tim, I think. <laughs> it says, and that room that they were in was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Hang on, that happened just before. Now it's happening again. You know, this is the adventurous Christian life. There's this sense of allowing the Spirit of God to fill you and then walking in the space He provides for you. I've got to wind down here. We're going to take some communion. I just want to tell you about the moment I encountered God for the first time and, and I'm hoping that it, it helps you to go back into that space of, of just how awesome it is to have Jesus in your life. You know, to be given that opportunity to be one with God through Jesus Christ through his death and his resurrection. I was um, 21 years old. I was on a job site and uh, I'd done this really strange thing. I'd asked this girl if, uh, because I didn't want to lose her and for the wrong reason I asked her to marry me and she said yes and then I realised what I'd done and it freaked me out. And the next day I was on the job site um, and I can take you where, where it is at Redcliffe. The house still stands. And um, <laughs> believe it or not. And I went into this, this huge state of anxiety. Now I'll call it that. In the moment, I, I don't know what was going on. But my, my mind was just spinning and spinning. And I was just in turmoil. Because I'd, I come from a broken family. I have no idea what it means to be a husband. No idea. I know what to do not to be, to be a bad one, very clearly. And I went into this really, really wild state of not being able to catch a thought. And I was cutting up some big timber as you did in the day with a big power saw. And it was getting a bit to the point where I was, it was dangerous. So I stopped. I was a third year apprentice and I went down the back of this house. There was pallets of bricks there. And I was in such a state, I didn't know whether to go. I, I was thinking, what do I do? Do I go to the hospital here? Like I was literally having an, an episode. 
a full anxiety episode. I'd never encountered it before. I never had one before. And I'm generally just a pretty calm person in my personality, not no big highs and lows. And I was in this turmoil. It was so wild that I was literally going to go to hospital. And so I did the other thing that you can do. Um, and I went down in, in behind these pallet of bricks. I had my nail bag on. I was a bit younger looking, probably a little more muscular or something like that. I'm not sure. And uh, I, I squatted down with my back. I'd love to say I knelt, okay? I'd love to say I got on my knees, but I didn't. I squatted down my back to these bricks. I hid from my, my boss and the other blokes on the house working. And I cried out to God out of, out of the depth of, um, you know, just utter, utter confusion and, and fear of where I was at. I cried out, I said, God, I just need you to help me. Just cried it out. And I had this encounter with God that was just extremely powerful and it was instant. So within seconds, I felt this clarity come into my mind that I've never experienced before or since. Everything that was just turmoil and pain and chaos and fear just was extracted and gone. Like literally, miraculously gone within seconds of crying out to God. And I encountered this overwhelming peace and life and love flowing through me in such a profound and deep way that it radically transformed the way I thought from that point on about God about adventure because I was in this world at that time looking at two things going I know which one I prefer and it pushed me into this space of going if that's God I just want to be in that and I, I was compelled I was compelled because I encountered the Lord God Almighty to follow wholeheartedly that Christian that adventurous Christian life and that's my pivotal moment of change and transformation and I know that it's because of Jesus and his life and death and resurrection he opened a way for us to have communion with God in such a deep and powerful way the scripture says that there's one spirit flowing through all of us Jesus, when he prayed, you look in John 17, it says that they might be one with us. This is Jesus praying to God. They might be one with us as we are one with each other. That's powerful, eh? And that's the place that we can be with God through Jesus Christ. And as we take communion tonight, I want to encourage you to go, God, I want to be one with you as you are one with the Father. So there's this great story that says in, in, in the Bible, it's repeated a few times. It says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body 
broken for you. As we take the bread tonight, I want you to think that Jesus made this step into our world and allowed himself to be broken for us to partake in that body of Christ so that we can be one with God. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take it and drink it for your forgiveness of sins. You don't have to have something hanging over you anymore. You can be free and have liberty to walk in the Spirit in an adventurous Christian life. So I'd encourage you tonight, I'll just pray and you can come and you can partake in communion. If, if you're here and you're not a, you've never said, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna be in that space, that adventurous Christian life. I wanna be one with God. Then I'd encourage you just to make that step tonight. And if you want to come, this can be your step of faith. You can step and, and take and eat and drink and receive salvation through Jesus Christ through communion tonight. So I'd encourage you to do that if you haven't given your heart to Jesus before. So let me pray. Lord, I thank you for being here. I thank you for this space. I thank you for this place. Thank you for these people. Lord, I ask that you would come as we take communion together. This is our common place, our common union. This place where we come because we all have come through you, Jesus. As we eat and as we drink, just help us to remember you and be filled yet again with your peace, your joy and your life and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.